0: Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be and abide with you this day. Amen. Last week we began a series for the season of Lent called 40, looking at times of 40 biblically that um, that we see, like these stories that maybe we know, episodes that are marked with periods of time that are 40 days or 40 years. And this might be the most famous one, the one that little kids learn in Sunday school, Noah and the flood. Last week was the temptation of Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness. We always picture the wilderness as kind of this desert space. It's maybe very dry, and that's, that's pretty accurate based on its geography, right? Not far from Israel, so... We go from one extreme to the other today, 40 days Noah as the rain fell. A lot of times we learn this as a Sunday school story, and maybe you can even picture a a poster or something that hung on the wall in the Sunday school. There might be some down in in the Sunday school wing even still hanging there, right? With Noah's Ark, and it's all very pristine, you know, perfect construction for this boat that Noah, the person who didn't probably know how to, the first thing about building boats, um, made, right, and so there's this wonderful ark, and poking the head out from the ark is all the animals, you know, a couple of really tall giraffes, because those are fun to have, you know, way above the, the level of the rail, and some, you know, other, maybe elephants, lions, possibly, right? all the animals and the, and they all look really happy <laughs> right and and usually the rainbow is over the ark and there's probably a cloud and you know it's a very happy scene which is how we teach Noah's ark to kids because of the animals and it's a fun story but there's more to it than i think we typically remember and think about the story of Noah's ark in Genesis chapter 6 through 9 there are some things some lessons to take away from that, including this, creation is subject to God's judgment. Now, this is by far not the only story in the Bible that teaches us this lesson, that creation is subject to God's judgment. We see that again and again and again. But Genesis 6 through 9 is a bit different because in this event, in this episode, God pours out his judgment in a literal on the earth. See, God saw the corruption of the earth. We back up. We heard reading from Genesis 7, but this whole um, event is 6 through 9. So if you want to catch up on the whole story, read all that. Um, The the birth and naming of Noah is actually in chapter 5. But um, chapter 6, verse 12, tells us this, um, starting in verse 11, actually. The, The earth was corrupt in God's sight. And the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Earlier in the chapter, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's pretty significant, right? I mean, don't we feel like there's some good in us, some redeeming quality, some reason for hope, some way that God would look at us and, and think we're okay? Maybe we're not perfect. We know that, right? Nobody's perfect. But but there's some good in me, right? I think I think I'm an okay guy. You think you're okay? I mean, I think that's what we think about ourselves, but in God's eyes as he looks out over the earth and, and sees, you know, the people are corrupt. The earth is a wreck. This creation that I made is ruined because of people. How different do we think we are today compared to Noah's day? Like, it, was, it, was it way worse than Nope. It wasn't. See, that's the thing. We would be subject to that same thing. The judgment was sealed when when God looked out and saw. But in verse 13, God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. All flesh man animals all that god had made and we're just in chapter six right one and two are about creation three is about the fall and this is six so we've only gone four and five and here we go god's ready to start over clean the slate begin again the judgment was sealed god was grieved at what he had made, grieved at his creation and the evil in man that seems to have no limit to its capacity. Our relationship with God was severed at the garden, right, at the fall, chapter 3 of Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that was forbidden for them, but it didn't, it, it didn't it, it just got worse, right? Like, that event just was a domino effect after that to the point where it was just evil all the time. We're under the same sentence. Many times when I think about the Noah story, I, I almost picture myself on the ark, right? I think more about what would it be like to feed all the animals and to clean out the cages and to how do we keep the lions from eating the sheep? and And how do you make sure that... All the animals have enough food, and, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot to think. That's a lot of work. So when we see the posters and everybody looks happy and clean, that's probably not how it was. But I picture myself on the ark more than, not on the ark, more than under the fall of that rain as it started to come down. But that's where I would be in that narrative. That's where we all would be under that narrative because Romans 3 tells, tells us that all sin and fall short of the glory of God. That we're all under this sentence of condemnation, that we're not righteous in our own strength or in our own power. We would be under that same sentence. And we would be there when the rain fell. Multiple times in what we heard in chapter 7, it says the rain fell for 40 days. For 40 days and 40 nights, the rain kept coming. That's verse 12, that it fell for 40 days, 40 nights. Have you experienced long seasons of good weather? I remember a time when I noted that it had been like eight days since I saw the sun. This is a number of years ago. I think I was in Iowa, and it was just cloudy day after day. It was gloomy, and the sky was gray. And you know, the the bright blue sky that, well, if you look out the windows right now, uh, you probably see, if you're local at least. I don't know what everybody's weather is, but uh, you know, I missed it. Eight days. I was feeling gloomy. I was feeling sad burdened by this that the sun had i had not seen the sun it was these thick gray clouds and everything i mean it was like living in a black and white um you know movie or 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 whatever like everything seems like the color is washed out of all of it and And that was eight days rain wasn't falling rain fell for 40 days And that's not the only part of it. Verse 11 said this, On that day the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were opened. Where did all this water come from? Right. Lots and lots of water to flood the planet. As that happened, the water rose above the surface of the earth. That's verse 18. The waters prevailed and increased greatly. God's judgment was delivered. It was chaos to cover chaos. Biblically, the image of water, um, it brings forth this kind of chaotic idea. The first, the first picture that we see, the first descriptive part, um, the, spirit of the, uh, uh, the spirit was hovering over the face of the water's so this is part of, like, the creation narrative as God is, is creating. There's waters there already, and it's chaos, and it's the deeps, right? And so, so water is like uncreation is what's happening here, kind of in a, in, a, in a real sense and also in an in a almost metaphorical sense. So it's really happening, but it's also there's a metaphorical quality of it, taking on this biblical idea of chaos. And we see that in other places, right? Besides that first image at creation, also the chaotic water gets personified as evil in the Exodus narrative when the sea parts and they come through that. And then the sea consumes Pharaoh and the army, like, or Pharaoh's army, you know, consumed by the sea. And so there's this whole you know, chaos and, and um, you know, death associated with water and with deeps. With, when Jesus is walking on the water, the, I mean, that's shocking to begin with, right, in a literal sense, but there's this, you know, built into it, this idea of, of the stilling of the storms is significant, the walking on water is significant, um, Exodus significant. Isaiah says this, the raging sea. And and people who roar like the great waters. So consistent with that imagery, biblically, is this flood that is chaos covering the chaos of man. That's what's happening in this flood. Have you seen floods? Experienced water that's not where it belongs. In the late 1980s, in 1989, um, from where I lived, there was a little town not too far away called Miami Town. And in order to get on the freeway to go west into Indiana, which is um, we did often because uh, we lived real close to the border between Ohio and Indiana. So we would drive down through Miami Town, um, cross the Great Miami River, and get on the freeway. Well, there was a an old bridge there. And I remember it from when I was a kid. It was one of those with a metal grate. Did you ever drive across those? Then they would hum. You know, see, so as soon as the tires hit it, there was this mmm sound. And, and we called it the singing bridge. Well, it was, it was getting really old. And repairs would have cost more than, I guess, a new bridge would cost. So they decided to replace it. So in, in order to do that, and, you know, they couldn't just cut off traffic, so they built a temporary bridge parallel to the existing bridge. Then, you know, closed off traffic to the existing bridge and we're tearing it down with the temporary bridge. Well, that spring, there was a ton of rain and maybe some snow melt going on, I'm not sure, but, but there was all of a sudden all this water in the river. So upriver, you know, maybe there were storms upriver and they just continued. All this water was coming downstream and, and that temporary bridge... When floodwaters happen, it's not just the water, right? It's also the debris. So picking up branches and logs and whatever and piling that up against the the pilings on which that bridge was being held up. Well they're watching it and the crew that was working on I think starting the construction of the new bridge were looking over and thinking, that's not that's not safe. That's not gonna hold up. And sure enough. That bridge collapsed because of that rising water. We had a creek in our first house that Paula and I owned. The creek ran through our property. and When, I was, when we were first there, because we, had, we owned both sides of that property, I wanted to build a bridge because there was a nice space on the other side. And I thought, you know, if I build a bridge, then I can drive my lawnmower over it and I can cut the grass over there and that would be nice. You know, and when, my, when the kids get older, we'll play, we'll play sports over there, and this is going to be fun. I didn't get started building the bridge, and I think it was the first or maybe second spring that we lived there. Same kind of thing, snow melt happening, rain falling, water's come up. Next thing I know, my creek that's usually maybe as wide as this aisle is as wide as this room. And the water is just from, you know, one side all the way over, because it was pretty flat once it got up out of the banks. It was wide, and all this debris was floating downstream, and a couple years later, it happened again, and our swing set was wrecked. (laughs) And other things were just gone. And that was rain that was a couple of days. 2010, when we lived in Oklahoma, I remember waking up in the middle of the night to the sound of rain just pounding on the roof of the house, like the strongest rain I ever remember hearing, like a fire hose turned at the, you know, just all this water. We'd been camping, and so we were grateful that we were not in our tent at that moment. Instead, in our house, well, the next morning, Paul got up and, you know, there was was water on the street. That rain continued to fall, and the nearby creek rose out of its banks. And before long, houses long, the creek had four feet of water in them. And over the next several days, there were people piling out all their flooring, clothing, personal belongings, electronics, furniture, all this stuff getting pulled out of the houses because it had been submerged. Submerged. Water is powerful. Water causes all this damage. Water causes all this destruction. And so for 40 days, that water makes all these scenes that I've described just pale in comparison. 40 days, 40 nights of rain, and roughly six months of flooding on the earth. God's wrath poured out. But God isn't law only. God isn't judgment only. See, God gives, even in the midst of this judgment, he gives grace. Noah and his family were in the ark. Just in the last few days, I was on social media, and someone had uh, posted a little, one of those little you know, one-panel kind of cartoon things that you might see in like, remember when newspapers used to actually happen? editorial cartoon, whatever, similar to that. But it was, um, so there was a guy making something and the voice, you know, from the corner, the little cloud. Noah, an ark, it said. And then I look in the image and he's building an arch. Thankfully, Noah understood his instructions and Noah built an ark. The Lord said to Noah in verse one of chapter seven, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Let's talk about Noah's righteousness. Noah was righteous in his generation, and you know, we may jump to the conclusion that, wow, here is one guy in the history of the world who actually had some redeeming quality. He was righteous. He was. But not in the way that before God would make him righteous. He needed the grace of God like everyone else. Hebrews 11 captures it this way, verse 7. By faith, Noah, in reverent fear, constructed the ark and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah believed God when God said, it's going to rain for a month and a half. You need to build an ark. And Noah did. Possibly what God is referring to in that narrative is the righteousness that is before people. Like Before God, he was, would not be considered righteous in his own power, except by faith he believed in God, but before people. See, each time it says that Noah was righteous, it says, in this generation, as if... Noah's righteousness was evident to the people around him. What was his life like? Noah believed God. Maybe he served his neighbor. Maybe he lived a life that was in reverent fear toward the God who created him. We actually don't know. It's not really described what Noah's life was like before God said, build a boat. But Noah believed God and that's what made him righteous God provides grace in this way as well at the end of the narrative in verse or toward the end in verse 8 after the flood has happened and after they come out of the ark onto the dry ground and there's a sacrifice made and the aroma reaches God and he promises never Never again will I destroy the earth. Never again will I curse the ground and destroy every living creature. And it's at that moment that God puts a symbol, a sign in the sky. The rainbow is God's evidence, tangible to us, visible to us, that he has promised never again to destroy the earth. God keeps his promises. And God rescues us through the righteous The one who literally did live in complete righteousness. The one who lived in holiness, Jesus, the Son of God, who was subjected to judgment in our place. Who took on the wrath of God, poured out in its fullness for the sin of the world when he went to the cross on our behalf to redeem us through the water of baptism Because the water of baptism isn't destruction, it's cleansing. It's washing. It's removing the old because the new has come. So now we don't face judgment. When we lived in Oklahoma and that flood happened in our neighborhood, our house was on Valley Crest, at the crest of the valley. So we were spared from that judgment. Not that it was God's judgment being poured out on the people by the creek, but we were spared from that suffering. That day in May of 1989, I drove across that bridge a few hours before it collapsed. I was spared from that event. In our house in Ohio, it was well above where the creek normally was, so it didn't cause damage to us. We escape. We are saved from. We don't suffer through the wrath of God being poured out in that way. Not that people who have suffered through those events are subjected to the wrath of God in a unique way. But God saves. God redeems. God rescues us and we can live in his righteousness. Probably the most remarkable thing about Noah is his radical faith, that he believed God when God said, it's going to rain and it's going to flood, and I need you to do this, and he did it. He did it. He did what God told him to do, even when probably people around him thought he was off his rocker. And he was righteous before men, loving God and serving his neighbor. We can live in that way, righteous before people as well, by loving God and serving our neighbors and being the kind of people that He calls us to do, or to be. And we can rest in His grace. One last thing about Noah. You know what Noah's name means? It means rest. Rest, repose. In Hebrew, it's nuach, and there's a similar Hebrew word to rest. In chapter 8, verse 4, the Lord rested on the mountains of Ararat. In Exodus 20, verse 11, in six days the Lord made, and he rested on the seventh day. And in Exodus 33, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. We can rest in the grace of God, knowing that his wrath has been poured out on his only son and knowing that we are covered in his grace and we are wrapped in his love so that we can live lives of rest and of love and of righteousness by his grace alone. Through these 40 days, let that be our our focus, to rest in the grace of God.